and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, your host for this hairdressing conversation. For this episode, my guest is John Gillespie, a hairdresser, salon owner and businessman. John has been in the industry for more than 38 years. He has two salons in Scotland, but he also has a fascinating new venture to share with us, which is based on salon suites. Join me and let's discover more. Hello and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast Studio, John Gillespie. Hi Nikki, nice Nice, to be here. Nice to see you. I haven't seen your face across the table for a long time, but we did meet back in the 90s, I think, in hairdressing. I'm sure it was round about then, (laughs) and you look exactly the same. (laughs) Well, I could say exactly the same to you. Wanted to invite you here today to talk about the hairdressing industry as a whole, but also you've got some quite interesting or very interesting business moves and takes on things. Let's just uh, set the ground. You're a hairdresser of, of many years, business owner of salons. What do you see happening in hairdressing UK at the moment and kind of where do we find ourselves from your, from your point of view? It's a good question. And obviously one that I feel I feel I can answer. Um, as you said, I've now been, I reckon it's 38 years. Stop counting, stop counting. And I suppose I've been very fortunate. I've had a very varied career. Yeah. Um, and it's taken me, I think at the last count, to 55 countries in the world. You know, that this amazing industry yeah. is... You know, has given me and as an educator, as a as stylist, as an educator, and... as a stylist, as a platform artist, as a brand. You know, endorsement. Over the years, the nineties, the two thousands, the two thousand tens. What's been the sort of journey for for British hairdressing from your point of view? Where where do we find ourselves at? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the <clears throat> for me it was a real, and I, and I think for most who are trying to, you know, what we would term as trying to make a name for yourself. Yeah. Um, you would there would be the classic way of I always thought well you know shout about how good you were yeah um, I always think the basis of that was for you know starting one point is having a, a successful clientele yeah you know having people that actually came to you for a haircut that yeah. was step one and joining a good salon joining, joining a salon a good with salon, a bit of a, a name and getting a bit good of a, training yeah I mean you know going back in my career I mean I I, I was fortunate to my early years with with Charlie Miller in Edinburgh. Um, so a really good grounding in yeah. witnessing their rise to international stardom and thinking, I want a piece of that. Um, and thinking, you know, maybe, you know, could I do that? Yeah. And I suppose it's been inspired by other great people in the industry. And I must say, particularly Scottish people yeah. in the industry, you know, you know, you're talking about people like, you know, before that, Brian Drum, Irvin Rusk. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Chain. We kind of claim Trevor Sorby yeah. a little bit. Um, <laughs> even he was born in Scotland. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, and yeah, Chains as well. There's just there has been you know great contributors. Yeah. Um, from the Scottish hairdressing scene. Yeah. And for me, that was always an inspiration and a positive thing. And they always had time to speak to me and give you direction and and I think almost help. They helped open the doors for people like me, you know, coming up behind them. Yeah. So that was the first thing yeah from that I always say then if you you know say you were good and you were getting a little bit suppressed and stuff like that you would then perhaps get to the point of well you might get asked to do something yeah 
And that's something for me going way back was a seminar for salon services at the time. Right. Who used to do in-house education. Right. And I always remember that moment of thinking, well, I've been saying this and that. Yeah. Now it's time to prove it. Yeah, yeah. And I always say, you know, and I'd always say to hairdressers out there listening, it's, you know, you can say this and that, but there will come a time when you have to prove it. And to prove it can sometimes be a very scary thing. Yeah. And you might sort of think, do you know what? I'll pass on this one. Yeah. I won't bother. I'll just kind of stay in my safe um, salon chair and not put myself out there for scrutiny and, you know, and things going wrong. And I must say, you know, not to go too much into it, but I think the the first thing that went wrong for me was during that seminar, which I remember was in Dundee, um, which was not far from my home in Perth at the time, um, I cut my finger. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. yeah. <laughs> so it was, but I've always felt that once I recovered from that, I managed to stop, put a plaster on it, yeah, and carry on, yeah. Um, and that, that became the basis of um, you. You always have to carry on, yeah. But it I also, have seen, I've seen some very established and very experienced uh-huh. people do that on stage, yeah. so and, it does happen. Yeah, and also on stage, I think I learned early is yeah, as you must keep going. Yeah. You know, no matter what, you have yeah. to keep going, and you also have to say yes to opportunities that arise. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of, you grew into the creative side. What about awards and things like that? Were you seduced by the idea of doing the photography and being seen on that side of things? Or did you move, were you always a bit more business? No, I, I think I was, I suppose I had quite a unique journey and I was definitely involved in the photographic side. Yeah. But I didn't often enter awards. Yeah. Um, sometimes I was a bit confused by that or... Yeah, it just um, wasn't It just you. really wasn't something that I was driven yeah. by. Although the photographic side, which I then did get into from the seminars, you then started taking my own pictures. Yeah. And then again, being inspired by other people, I would start working with perhaps some Scottish photographers, moving on to London-based photographers, from yeah. using your own models to professional models. Yeah. And proud to say, I think now, over my career, I think I gained six front covers of the hairdresser's journal. So, wow. you know, that was a... Yeah, yeah. And again, yeah, a young hairdresser, my dream was, you know, could I get a front cover of HG? Yeah, yeah And yeah. things like that. And you always think, once I get that, I'll have made it. Yeah. You know, but I think... <laughs> and when then you, you just get hungry for something well, else. Well, yeah, it, something becomes yeah. that you've done that and it's passed and, yeah. and you move on. So what for you... So what were the boom years, if you like? I think for me, it was certainly the late 90s, moving into the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I had a sort of a real shift in notoriety and, yeah. um, you know, certain things happened that really helped me. One one key thing happened, I I secured a major contract with a, a, a huge American corporation. Right. Um, which I then got to work on redeveloping their hair care line. Yeah. Which was then sold internationally. I would then endorse that brand internationally and go all over the world. Right. First really class air open? travel, five yeah. star hotels. Wow. Um, you know, compensated financially very well. It was a dream yeah. role. And I think they were the they were dream years in a way. Anything seemed possible in the late nineties going into the two thousands before the sort of big two thousand eight recession. It did feel me on the media side of things that you know there was money for photo shoots. Yeah. There was big shows. You'd go to events and the, you could just see the production. The sets, mm. the models. People wanted you could be, get on the telly. There were shows, you know, promoting hairdressing. You had the ten years younger's and all these things. This morning hairdressers, the awards. It was just. It did feel like hairdressing was very sexy at that time. Do you know what it really absolutely was? Mm. I mean, I look back. I mean, 
and I'm fortunate, to, you know, I had a great time of it. Yeah. I did, you know, I did the television. I was on, you know, BBC Style Challenge. Yeah. I was on, you know, the satellite channels. I was on Good Morning Britain. Yeah. Um, and all these things, and you, you really felt that you yeah. could do anything. Yeah. Um, and as you say, there did seem to be money for these, you know, outlandish photo shoots and well there was and I think it was a time that a lot also you know a lot of the manufacturers and a lot of the brands were also getting behind the hairdressers there were you know eye-watering deals going around you know support for creating new destination style salons Mm -hmm. golden handshakes for coming on board with this brand you know we'll make you an ambassador it did feel very very um like you were it was like like Britpop it it, it, it felt like that and and a and I certainly was right in the middle of that, yeah. and I did well from yeah. it. And I, you know, I won't lie; I, I, it was good for me. Yeah. It was good for business, good for my personal journey yeah. throughout that. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, the t- the TV was exciting. Yeah. And again, going back to the American brand thing, I learned so much with that from yeah. certainly from a product development point of view. Yeah. And also my, you know, my performances, and I'll say performances because it got, went beyond doing hair it really became a sales driven motivational you know speaking yeah. tour almost right i mean i'd be i'd been in situations of doing you know up to six thousand people um you know tell them how to sell shampoo yeah um you know it was one key event i, th- I think it was in germany i was you know i drove on stage on a harley davidson motorbike <laughs> In front of six thousand people, you know, I've got the videos to prove it. (laughs) But you you know, you're thinking the whole star thing, and you're yeah, yeah, and I was all over that. Yeah, no, because you could, because we could, and and I think then in the 2010s, from my perception, it was also lots of big groups coming out. You know, it seemed to be quite a growth time for you know companies, Tony and Guys, Rushes, Headmasters, Saks. These, it was like you know the the big everybody wanted to get their own salon. People wanted to have their own name above the door. That again, so the business seemed to be thriving. We can't really say the same sitting here in 2023. We don't have that sort of hairdressing doesn't feel very sexy no. at the moment. It doesn't feel very prosperous in many ways. And we've got a lot of things which are quite bewildering, lots of changes in approach. We talk a lot, we are preoccupied a lot with the recruitment into the industry and then also what's happening once people are in the industry and this big sort of move to people moving away perhaps from being employed in the salons. So tell us your story then. For the last three or four years, you've been, or, or maybe longer, I don't know, working on a different way of working or riding that trend. Yeah. Tell, tell us what's happening. I can tell you, the, the insight I had to that was, you know, as you say, the, you know, probably after 2008, you know, you were almost trying to, you know, recover. Yeah. And you were kind of really nailed down to try and making the business work. Yeah. And trying to make a business work can almost squeeze the creativity, you know, out of you a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You feel um, like the, first, the better you get at business, you almost have to let go of the creative yeah. side. I, I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily true that you have to, but I think the perception is that you have to. Yeah. And I think people feel very yeah. grounded. And, and for me, that. being the type of person that loved all the other stuff, mm. um, the real kind of hard business lessons to learn throughout that time to try and make your business survive become or became very difficult and yeah. became challenging. Yeah. And I suppose in a sense I was a little bit disillusioned with the industry. Yeah. I felt employing people was becoming, you know, and not the people, but yeah. just the, the rules, the regulations, yeah. being the an actual employer. process yeah. of being an employer yeah. was was stopping to be much fun. Yeah. Um and becoming more and more difficult. Yeah. 
um, you were seeing more and more people leaving the industry. Yeah. Um, whether it was to go mobile, if you like, or you know, set up on their own. Um, I suppose we, you know, you can come into the rent a chair, you know, type scenarios, mm-hmm. um, which we can come come on to. So there was a lot of changes. Yeah. And I feel as an employer, I I be honest, I was a little bit disillusioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm still an employer. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm still in in it, that world. It's very tough, and I think you know, being an employer is means lots of things. You know, that it's not just training people; it's managing people, which is very different from training them. You know, a lot of us enjoy training, but managing takes a different kind of mindset. And then the financial responsibility, it is like having children. You know, it's like, how, how am I going to be responsible for us all earning enough money to keep us all going? Absolutely. And a lot of your time becomes pastoral, mm-hmm. you know, rather than creative. Yeah. yeah. So it can be, yeah, it is challenging. It has been challenging. Yeah. And I think from a personal point of view, I started thinking, what am I going to do mm-hmm. in the next 10 or 15 years that yeah. I may want to, you know, or I have to continue working? Yeah. And for me... Earlier, going back again, I was always, I want to open more salons, I want to do this, I want to, you know, that that evaporated, right? you yeah. know, th- through, you know, the last probably 10 years, mm-hmm. that that thought of opening more salons, I mm-hmm. thought to a point when I'm not opening another salon, yeah. that's not going to be yeah, the way forward for yeah. me, so what is? Mm-hmm. And going back a, around four years ago, I was asked to America as I can through a third party mm-hmm. um, as far as you know I met and put me in touch with Jason and Gina Rivera yeah who are the founders of Phoenix Salon Suites in America right now I wasn't going to meet them based on Phoenix Salon Suites it was based around it was it's called Colours by Gina right which which she was launching a, a brand, her own brand of professional hair colour right and I was going along to meet with them in Dallas, it was, to consult with them how we could Britify and unify her colour brand. Right. Because I had built education systems for, you know, companies like L'Oreal, Schwarzkopf, yeah. over the years. Yeah, so you so had... I had experience had, yeah. in that and building concepts or educational concepts, how to educate it out to hairdressers. Right. And I'm really enjoying it. I got to know the people, the team... Um, you know, and immediately I was, you know, I like these people. It's, yeah. you know, it just works. The energy felt good. Uh-huh, it really did. And it just connected, it clicked. And after a couple of days, I think it was the last day I was there, or the second last day, I should say, then their franchisee from Dallas, you know, Ken, he's going to take you around some of our salon suites. Mm. And as I say, I, I, I was, I didn't really know what, what, what I was walking what is into. It? Yeah, yeah. So off I went picked me up and took me to Phoenix Salon Suites. So it wasn't in your typical location that you would expect to find a hairdressing salon. It was They were in what you would term in the US as called strip malls. Oh, yeah. Um, here we would probably term them as shopping parks. Yes, um, yeah, like thing. a sort of Westfield type place. <clears throat> a little bit. So he took me in there. And I must say, Nikki, I walked in and it was like my jaw hit the ground. So what did you I, see? Explain the concept to us. Well, based, the concept is, so you walk into a, bi- a big building, it's, it's almost like a salon reception-ish yeah. feel. It's got yeah. a water feet, waterfall and yeah. a small desk. And, and then there's almost a map of different, you know, studios, rooms. Yeah. And we, you you know, we visit. term as salon suites. And in this building, the first one I went to, there was 50 
suites in that building. All hairdressing? All hair, beauty, lifestyle professionals. Right. So you could have somebody doing hair. Yeah. You could have a barber. You yeah. could have a nail tech. You could have somebody doing microblading. Right. A brow bar, a lash bar. So it's like so a beauty <coughs> destination kind. It's a destination of, of all independent right. um, people who are doing you know, their profession. Right. It's probably, you know, I know the figure's better now, but it's it's around about 60 to 65% hair. Right. Because Phoenix Salon Suites and Gina Rivera's family were predominantly, they came from, I think, about 120 years of family yeah. hairstylists. Yeah, yeah. So there was a real heritage. Like myself, I mean, I came from a, you know, I grew up in a, yeah. you know, hairdressing salon. I was sweeping hair when I was five, <laughs> folding <laughs> towels. You know, my parents were both hairdressers. Yeah. So I grew up with it. So there was that synergy as well. Yeah. So and I and I must admit I was oh, I was awestruck. I was like, so how wow. does it? So you have all these sort of studios. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Are they open fronted or do they each have their own front door? They have their front door. So it's based. I mean, to keep it simple, we are. It's a big building. Yeah. And we cut that building up into say thirty or thirty to fifty studios. Yeah. And they are salon suites. And in that suite, you have a backwash, a hydraulic chair. Yeah. A stylist um, station trolley yeah. and a cabinet for stock. Right. So you're more or less, you could almost rock up with a mirror and a pair of scissors and start, and start working work. the next day. And it's up to each individual <coughs> what they stock, what they use. Yes, we yeah. um, they, they have total autonomy. They are self-employed. Yeah. They basically, what they are doing is renting the space. And they can dress us. the room however they want. They can, they can design it. They can decorate it they can create their own brand within yeah. that space yeah. and one of the perks as well is it's 24 7 access they can right. work any day of the week they want yeah they can start when they want finish when they want yeah. they take their own money they keep their own money right they agree a rent on on a room yeah um i won't say exact figures but what i will say to you is it's comparable to what you would perhaps pay for renting a chair right so how does it how do you book do you can people turn up and browse and knock on doors or do you phone? Do they look after their own bookings? Do you have a centralised service in some way? How yeah. does that work? No, what... So again, coming back to... They they are their own brand yeah. and they have their own profile yeah. which would generally be on social media or they have their book of business. Yeah. And they generally would have to have that if they were going to, you know, create Take their own the business in yeah. that space. Okay. So, you know, we as a brand, we don't get involved in their appointment system. Right. We don't promise them clients. No. And it's not a thoroughfare for people to walk through and decide who to go to that day. Right, okay. You know, so so in that totally sense, it's not a sort of shopping mall. It's, it's not, not, no. It's not somewhere that you'd go and wander around. You would go by appointment. It's somewhere that houses different businesses. Oh. I always like to almost say, a lot of people are familiar with the WeWork yes. um, yeah. destination that you yeah. see. And I think I understood the other day, there's something like 64 WeWork buildings in London alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in we work, it's all independent offices, independent businesses, doing their thing in that yeah. in that space. So we are almost the same for the hair, beauty, and wellness sector. So, looping back to that day in Dallas, mm -hmm. so you're looking around, and is that like was that an instant? <laughs> I'm, I'm well, going to be part of yeah, this for me. It, and again, thinking, what am I going to do? Yeah, I was thinking, wow, this is um, and there was a little bit of self-preservation. Yeah. Because um, I could see the changes in the industry. Yeah. I could see the the leaping towards self-employment. 
Yeah. This was pre-COVID at the time. Right. And I'll come into post-COVID. Yeah, so you could... Pre-COVID at the time. It was happening already. It was happening already. Mm. And I'm thinking, you know, this could be the way forward. Yeah. And that's... I went back the next day and met them. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I said, you know, to Jason and Gina, I was like, you know, this could work in the UK. Yeah. You know, I think the UK, perhaps Europe, you know, yeah. it's certainly the UK is ready for this. Mm. And it was more a case of, why don't you do it then? Yeah. And from that day on, it was a case of, right, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And it went from there to, that was four years ago, to two years ago, next month, that we've been open in Manchester. So you start, so, so you have, you are running Phoenix Salon Suites in Manchester. Mm-hmm. You opened, how many units have you got there? How many, do we call them units? I don't know. Do, how many salons in, how many Salon suites? Salon suites. We have, suites. We, have, we have 29 wow. in Manchester. And would that be the sort of 60% hair? Yes, it is. Oh. Yeah, it's wow. pretty much went with the, a similar 60% hair. There's barbers in there. There is a brow bar. There's two nail bars. About now, four and aesthetics. how does it work? Did I hear that they're short leases or short lets? There's what, what would be the sort of basis on which somebody would take a suite? Yeah. So what, what we do, we try and make it very, very easy and very simple for people to get going and get set up. Yeah. So there's always a, it's a low deposit. Yeah. They don't have to sign long-term leases or they don't sign long-term leases. Right. They sign what we term as a month-to-month rolling contract. Right. And what that means is they can stay as long as they want. Yeah. But if they want to leave, it's a 45-day notice period. Right. So okay. there's not, they're not tied reasonable. forever. Because yeah. you know what it's like in the industry? A lot of the industry is young. Yeah. Not all of it. No. But they also change their minds as far as they might want to travel. They, you know, they might want to do yeah. different things. And, um, no, and also it's interesting because I know having sort of taken office space in the sort of WeWork type environment or the shared mm-hmm. offices, they're not really intended for long stay in some ways because the idea is that you are building something. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering whether that is part of the concept of it or is it you don't not that's not really what you're after people who need a leg up you're just after people who kind of see that as their I think there's a bit of both yeah I mean we have had what we would term as success stories that people have almost outgrown their suite and then went on and opened the salon right and we've seen that already in Manchester right and we'll see that again and we applaud that and you know that's great but there's also people who have been there from the beginning and they're still there. Yeah. And they are perhaps what would, you know, they're established stylists who are happy working in their own space, choosing their own music, yeah. um, choosing their own, um, you know, surroundings, yeah. choosing their own hours and really doing what they want yeah, to do in their own space. So are they pretty much one person at a time working spaces? They're, they're not big, they're not intended. They, they generally to are. We do have some double spaces. Right. Um, so you I mean, some of our there. spaces have enough for three chairs. Right. Um, the general model is one chair, one backwash, you know, right. one, one person. But they, they are, most of them are big enough that you could have two chairs, for wow. example. And some shared spaces, breakout rooms, bathrooms? We have, and I, you know, again, which is, I think, a great service if we have a laundry room. Yeah. Wow. So they can wash towels, gowns, yeah. you know, sheets, whatever businesses yeah. they do. So we have a laundry room, we have a kitchen. Um... They also, again, they also have a very nice entrance area as far as for their clients coming in. They know they're in a quality environment. Um, And it works really well. And, and, you know, so far, you know, for me and working with my business partners here, it's just been, it has been, it's it's been a really 
interesting journey wow. and, and you, exciting one. And you've opened in Birmingham as well, or you we are? We are just opening now as we speak in Birmingham. Right. Um, in fact, we've got a little launch next month, which we, we will be invited oh, to. Lovely, exciting. Uh, to come and have a look around. And again, Birmingham is a stunning building. Yeah. Um, we have 33 suites in Birmingham. Wow. Which were also already down the road of, you know, <coughs> there's a good few of them away already. Yeah. Um, almost approaching to be half full before we open. Wow. You know, which is a great result. Because remembering this is a new concept, yeah. a new way of working. Um, so is there any um, vetting going on? I mean, if you are having, if you are responsible for the fabric of the building mm -hmm. and for plumbing, I don't know, are the backwashes plumbed in or are they mobile backwashes? They're, They're all plumbed in. Plumbed in backwashes, you know, the security of the building. Do you get involved in standards in any way? Do you, is there any kind of like interview procedure or vetting for want of a better word? Yeah, I mean, generally we, we do a process, what we term as the tour. Right. Right. And the tour is when they will come and visit. Um, and, you know, initially it's been myself that would work on the tours. Yeah. Um, we then also have a suite coordinator who's kind of mans the building on off in office hours, really. Yeah. And during that tour, it is a conversation about one, showing them around the building of what we offer. Yeah. And to you know, finding out a little bit about them and about their business. Yeah. So, but I, but I'll be honest. You know, we're not going through nuts and bolts of everything that they do and how no. they do it. It's really a case of, uh, have they got the business that they can sustain? Yeah. Are they going to be a good know, tenant in a way? I suppose. A tenant. Yeah. But then comes back to the 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 way the contracts or the uh, what we term as a license agreement yeah. is. It's a month to month rolling, so yes, they can stay as long as they want. But again, if there was issues or problems, we can also you can ask them. You know, to we, leave. yeah. So, yeah. The, so if, again, if it's not balancing with the building and it's you know yeah. if it's not working, we can also act upon that. So in the states, you need to be licensed to practice. Um, I think it's from the cosmetology yeah. license. We don't have that regulation here in the UK, and quite a few European countries don't. Some do, but. Does that make a difference to how you operate? Because in the States, it's probably easier to verify that somebody is of a certain standard. Here, it's not so easy. Do you need people to be qualified in any way? Do you... The way the way that we do it, and I, and I suppose I'll, I'll be brutally honest, the way that we do it, because obviously been in this industry a long time, and I'll, I'll talk about here predominantly. Yeah. Now, to be qualified here, or as we would state, to be qualified as a level two... Um, NH, whatever uh, NVQ, uh, NVQ yeah, is, yeah. is that you're gen generally qualified. Yeah. Now, we don't ask for an NVQ, right? However, if they have a clientele that can sustain, you know, renting their own salon space, then people like them and people are happy with what they do. Right. And I would say we gauge it on that. Okay. And if their clients are happy, who am I right. to judge, judge what they are doing? Yeah, yeah. If it's wholly wrong and not working, then <laughs> yeah. that manifests itself very quickly. Right. Um, and that would be, you know, something easily sorted out. But, and again, I've certainly seen certainly many level two qualified people yeah. who you could probably say they don't really have much clue on what they're doing. Yeah. So, so it's or, not necessarily so a measure. It's, I don't see it as a measure. I, a measure of, of, I think, what you do is the business that you have. Yeah. And if you have a successful business of whether it's, you know, six, seven clients a day, five days a week, yeah. who am I to, to judge it? Yeah. And at the end of the day, 
you know, we can, a lot of us would, and certainly me, I think hair, for example, is art. Mm. And what is art worth? Yeah. Art is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah. So it's the perception of the customer. And that's the way that we yeah. would deal with that. And if your customers are happy and you're treating them in a professional manner, and you must be if they're, you know, you returning to you, yeah. then that's, that's as far as we need to go. Right. And the whole beauty of this model is that it is available to people who you know who have who have that yeah. and they can get started very easily yeah. and get into business easily without restrictions without having to put down huge deposits and without worrying about bills they don't know about yeah. for example with us there's the rent bill there's nothing else yeah there's no electricity bill there's no oh, water really no bill. utilities oh, okay. there's, you know, there's the, and there's a laundry on site there's yeah. they so it's perhaps from an a, easy way to cut your teeth. From a hairdressing point of view, you know what your outgoings are with us yeah. every week. Yeah. It's a weekly payment every week. Right. And it works. Yeah. And we know it works because the insight that we have learned and the beauty of us doing it in the UK and, you know, we've, we've now, I've actually was in Madrid last week. We're, we're just about there with perhaps opening in Spain. Wow. Sweden's another one. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the thing about that is we can kind of, we can learn because we are now over 350 locations in the US. Right. So we've almost learned the, yeah, the lessons. That's, you've done the learning. We've made the mistakes. The, yeah. We know what works. We know what yeah. doesn't work. And we've certainly got that insight from the US yeah. to learn that. Because this, the salon suite model, we're not the only operator in the US. Yeah. We are in the UK at the moment. But right. um, in the but US, there is, is other salon suite operators. Right. Um, so that, that way of working is certainly you know, has been yeah, tried and very tested. successful yeah, and going yeah. well. And did I see also, do you offer um, support, in business support education in that way? Yeah. So what we offer um, at the moment as well, we do a, like a one-to-one -one mentorship, right. which I host myself at the moment. We will grow that. We will create systems for that. Um, and we do that as a one-to-one, -one, which we all sit down. And we do this. again, nothing here is always up to them. Right. Because so they're self-employed, they're, they're their own yeah. entity. But what we will do is we will sit down, we can go through your numbers with you, yeah. we can see what works. And with having the, as I said, the 38 years in the industry that I've had mm -hmm. and running salons and, you know, employing people over the years, yeah. you know, I know what works in a column. I know how to work your column. I know how to get a busy column. Yeah. I know how to maintain a column. So we do share that education with them yeah. if they want it. Right, okay, so it's not a prerequisite. It's not. There's a lot of anxiety in the UK anyway about encouraging people to go freelance, independent, self-employed. There are you know, people who have very strong opinions on how that's really undermining hairdressing. You've, you've grown up and enjoyed, at times, working for salons, the training, the opportunities, the education which comes from our industry being based on the salon uh, model really if you like how would you address that sort of anxiety to say you know this is what we're doing actually this is the benefit I mean I would you know I'm not one to I'm not flying a flag for you know for either as far as you know I'm as again I still have a salon right. I still employ people yeah. there's a lot of benefits to being employed yeah um, there's a lot of um, I've you know I personally feel feel I've given a lot back to the industry, whether it's through education, whether it's through development, not just on the road, but in salon as well. Yeah. But I had sort of reached a point in my career 
And again, the way I look at it is it's a different extension of the industry. Yeah. It doesn't mean it has to be for everybody. And it's not for everybody. No. And I think, you know, yes, there's anxiety, but this industry is always ever-changing. There was anxiety when Vidal Sassoon started, um, you know, doing, you know, kind of, you know, prop, you know, cutting Graphic hair cuts, yeah, the way yeah. that we recognise it now. Yeah. Yeah, but what about all the people who do rollers and backcombing? Yeah. You know, so there's always been changes in this industry. And sometimes, you know, you have to pivot, you have to twist and yeah. turn and do what works for you. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I've had this, you know, similar questions from, you know, my best friends are in the industry, <laughs> you know, and, and very successful in the industry. Yeah. It's always, you know, I think a couple of times they've said, you know, have you had a wee bit of hassle? Yeah. from motherhood and I was like you know I've not actually I've not really no. had anybody do you know I um, think it's I think um, I understand where the anxiety comes from mm. but on the other hand I do see it's quite a positive opportunity for people to stay in the industry rather than leave it's like that you're, what you're offering with Phoenix with, or with the Salon Suites mm. concept is a way of remaining in the industry when perhaps you might be disillusioned with other ways of working but equally it's a it's a good way to bring people in. You know, what about the ones who'll mm. have a suite for six months, 12 months, mm. and then think, do you know what? I actually want to join a salon now because I want the yeah, training and, and the umbrella. Yeah, and we've seen that as well. And I think from the training point as well, you know, we do offer colour classes also. You know, we do a once right. a month colour class. Right. Again, there's no obligation to use our colours no. by Gina. However, we do classes on it. So if you want to learn yeah. about it, you can. Yeah. So there's that opportunity you can learn. Mm. And there is a community, and the education side of it is something that we look to, we will build, you know, throughout time as we grow. Yeah. Um, there will be an education side to it, that there will be classes, whether it's once a month, twice a month. So there is that community, and there will be that culture of learning and education that we can offer people who are in our system. Yeah. So that's, it's not a case that we're just throwing out the development of hairstylists. Yeah. There's certainly going to be that there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get the anxiety, I get the questions, but it's an ever-changing industry yeah. and world. Yeah. And at the end of the day, who's gonna you know who's gonna pay my bills? Yeah. Or you know, yeah. if I'm struggling from a salon development point of view, if I'm thinking I can't open other salons or I, I yeah. can't do this and I can't do that, yeah. you know, I've got to find my way. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, we like to think we're showing a way for other people. Yeah. to develop and as you rightly said it's certainly not for everybody no. um, it's, there's different things and I'll, I always say whether it's a good employer whether it's good technique whether it's just good service good quality there's always going to be room for that Yeah. and I think in whichever way that you shape that that's there's going to be a, a need for that Yeah. so yeah. I would always say to people is you know work on what you're doing the best that you can do it yeah yeah um, lean into the change you know instead of constantly like you know, trying to hold it back. Well, you can't, you know, and, yeah. and there's, look at the, look at the industry now, we had a conversation earlier about social media followings and stuff like that. Yeah. There's these, some of these young stylists have got thousands of followers. Yeah. Some of these young people coming into the industry have more followers than the salon. Yeah. So these people are immediately programmed in their mind that I'm my own brand. Yeah. And I want to create my brand in this industry. And yeah. I don't want to be under the salon umbrella because well, I've got more followers than yeah, that. Yeah. So there's that little side of it as well. But again, that's not everybody. Yeah. It's probably a low percentage. Yeah. But that low percentage need an avenue um, yeah. to, to go, you know, go down for their journey. Yeah. So there's there's very, it's very changing landscape yeah. and a very changing industry. However, history will show us it always has been. Yeah. And it's just probably people 
my age that are looking over this is a bit, you know, it's wrong for the, you know, we're, this is wrong for hairstylists and it's, yeah. it's not the traditional, well, you know, the people there, when they were juniors or whatever, yeah. people were saying we're the same things, thing, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, it, these little upstarts, happens. you know yeah. what they're doing. So it's always been a changing industry. Yeah. Um, and it's, but I, for me, that's the beauty of our industry, the excitement of it, yeah. the, the journeys that happen that you didn't realise. I'm on this journey now and I didn't really see that coming. Yeah. I knew I wanted something. Yeah. Um, I knew, you know, I, I, as I, I was, what am I going to do? Because um, I don't want, one, I didn't want to be on the floor till I'm whatever age. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, as every stylist, if there's stylists listen to this, yeah. we, I know how hard it is running a column yeah. every day, all day. And I got to a point, I won't, you know, well, I've been that long in the industry, you can guess my age <laughs> roughly. But I know that I can't do that. Now. Yeah. I can't do it mentally, I can't do it physically. Yeah. So, and if I can't open more salons, I had to find, well, how can I be still in the industry, yeah. but but doing things do, differently? Doing something interesting dynamic. And that's the way, that's yeah. how it's worked for me. And, you know, for me, it's exciting. I, I love it. You know, I'm also involved in product development, you know, looking at, we're bringing out new products. And so there's, there's so many things going on. Yeah. That it's, but that's what this wonderful industry can give us. Yeah, to explore. Well, I can see from your face how energising and how interesting you're finding it so and it has been fascinating talking to you thank you so much for sharing that with us I will put lots of notes in wherever you're listening to this podcast if you scroll down on your tablet laptop whatever we'll we'll give you the links to follow Phoenix Salon Suites and John Gillespie thank you so much thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure Thank you so much to John for joining us today. That was really interesting. I hope you enjoyed learning all about the concept of Salon Suites with me. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to browse our library of Respectfully Conversations. You will find plenty to enjoy, I'm sure. And don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes platform as it helps to drive us up the charts and make hairdressing podcasts easier to find. Until next time, goodbye.